0: Another episode of the Six of Cents podcast. Jonathan here. I got Chris alongside me. We're going to be missing Lucas tonight, but got some back-to-back games with the Heat to talk about, so why don't we kick it off there, Chris? Let's start with the first Heat game a couple nights ago. Tough loss, 101-99. What was your takeaways from the starters in that game?
1: Um, You know, 101-99 indicates a close game, and it was a close game. It, it came down to a pretty remarkable Jimmy Butler shot at the end there. But this this was not the best performance from Philly as a whole. They, they just didn't really bring the kind of effort you want to see. You know, on the surface, numbers-wise, you got 27 points and 12 rebounds out of Joel. But take a little bit deeper, you have two assists to six turnovers. He was really sloppy with the ball. James had 20 points, 12 assists. Not really going to complain about that. But just effort-wise, the, the cohesion wasn't there defensively, offensively either. And Miami was up pretty commandingly for large stretches of this game. They they got into it in the second half. Philly did really because of the bench and a certain player on the bench that we can talk about. But overall, not a great game for the starters. Tobias had two points on four shots. Not great. Um, so, yeah, how about you? What were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, starters didn't stand out. Tremendously in this game. I, I mean, I liked how Harden played. He was a plus ten, only player plus minus in the double digits on the positive side. Twenty points, 12, of six, 12 assists, six rebounds. He didn't have a great shooting night, five of fourteen from the field and three of eight from three. But he seemed to impact the game a lot when he was on the floor. Um, and I really thought that last second three at the uh, at the end was going to go in and he was going to give us the win. But like you said, it was it seemed relatively close the entire time, but I just didn't feel great as the game was going on that this was going to turn out in our favor, unfortunately. It's a tough loss for sure, especially with Milwaukee just passing Boston in the standings. I feel like we are still in this no-man's land of third spot. So um wasn't overly impressed with the starters, but we can move to the bench like you said, one player in particular. Why don't you go ahead?
1: Yeah, um, this is a pretty big Tyrese game. He had 23, 14 of which he scored in the third quarter, which kind of helped Philly make it a ball game there down the stretch. 4-7 uh, from deep, 50% from the field in 27, 28 minutes. He, you know, it's hard not to feel good about that. We talked on the last episode about his struggles lately and what can Philly do to get him back in rhythm. This game, we'll talk about the second heat game. This is like two pretty rock-solid Impressive performances in a row, so that's really nice to see. um So yeah, he deserves a ton of credit. The rest of the bench didn't really play much, to be honest. Paul Reed, beyond Tyrese, was played the second most minutes off the bench at 13. Um, only 10 apiece for J Mac and Shake Milton. No one else on the bench really made a huge impact. You know, you really need like six, seven rock solid guys in the playoffs. So if you can get solid production out of your starters and you have Tyrese or whoever's coming off the bench doing that kind of stuff, you're in a good spot. So it's hard not to be encouraged about Tyrese in this game.
0: Yeah. One of the things you said there was that they didn't even get a lot of playing time. I noticed that Doc relied very heavily on the starters. They were all playing 35 plus minutes. Seemed a little odd. Um, But yeah, I, I wanted to bring up too how we said on the last podcast, one of our main topics was Max. He was struggling recently and he snapped 23 points 8 from 16 from the field, 4 of 7 from three. He seemed to be the only one who was bringing the energy to, like, the rest of the team who looked kind of lethargic out on the floor. The two games that we're highlighting here, obviously, with the Heat, it maybe it doesn't necessarily mean he's turned a corner, but hopefully he can get in more of a consistent rhythm. All of us have said all along that that will ideally come if he can get input into the starting lineup, and maybe that can lead to more postseason success. And then I know we're going to talk about Jalen McDaniels a little later. But him only getting 10 minutes of playing time, I know none of the bench really got too much playing time outside of Maxi, but that just isn't a lot. I think that we need to see more out of him and what he has to see if we have something in him for playoff time. And uh, Doc just really went all in on the starters in this game.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it might be a little bit of what you hinted at earlier, is that Philly has some ground to make up in the standings, ideally. And you want to put your best foot forward against a competitive team like Miami. but. Yeah, it, it's a bit strange. You know, odds are Philly's just going to be the three seed. Like That's just probably where they're going to end up. I, You know, you want to see what you have in guys like McDaniels, like you said, and you also don't want to run the likes of Embiid and Harden into the ground before the playoffs, especially James. James has been playing a ton of minutes all season, so he's someone I would monitor, you know, maybe even closer than Joel at this point, but yeah, um, it is a bit strange, and I would like to see more out of McDaniels, too.
0: Yeah, like you were saying, I mean, Harden, they they even commented multiple times on the broadcast tonight, like why he was in at the end of the game when we were up by so much. So I agree with you there. Um, why don't we switch to the second game?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Uh, a much more commanding win, 119-96. to This one on the road in Miami, and most notably, without Joel Embiid, who Finally missed a game due to left foot soreness after about a month, two months of not missing games with left foot, left foot soreness. um, He's on my fantasy team, so I see the uh, questionable mark every single day. Um, And Today, it actually, uh, it it didn't go my way, Uh, but it did go Philly's way. A pretty remarkable bounce back. Again, we talked about the backbone and the toughness that they showed fighting through adversity in the Memphis game. This isn't quite the same but it's a pretty remarkable response on the road after a pretty dreadful loss against the same team, obviously. Uh, let's start with the starters again. Tyrese Maxey stepping in for Joel in this game as a starter. 27 points, 7 assists, 10 of 17 from the field, hit four threes. It was really awesome. Had some amazing shots in that second half. Two, again, two great games in a row from him. 23, 7 boards, 5 assists for James. He continues to just... Be a really amazing floor general for this team, setting the tempo. Much better game for Tobias. Eighteen points, six boards, five assists, seven of eleven from the field. He still dribbles too much. Might have been a factor of Joel not being in there, but there's some moments tonight where he just dribbled far too often for my taste. But but a good game overall. You know, a couple threes for Melton, who played good defense, had a couple steals. PJ got the start at the five, only played 19 minutes because of certain. Uh, bench player that we'll talk about but overall really really strong performance from the starters obviously down their best player
0: yeah that's the huge part is bouncing back to beat the heat here I mean we're a better team than the heat so this win really solidifying it without our best player was it was something really good to see and I wanted to talk about Tobias Harris I mean he didn't necessarily like go off points wise but he had 18 points 7 of 11 shooting and 2 for 4 from 3 just extremely efficient basketball and he was hitting the shots that we need him to hit. Everyone's always going to come back to Tobias's contract. I don't we don't need him to play up to the level of his contract like the first or second best player on the team. But he needs to contribute in the role that he has and like step up when needed and that's what he was able to do tonight. I mean, he's a good wing player. Maybe he doesn't always get the chance to show it because he feels like he's the fourth option on this team, but he was knocking down shots tonight and we need more of that from him.
1: Yeah. I agree. I agree with everything you said. Objectively, he was really good tonight, and objectively he's a very good player. But again, there there he could be even better. He he just has to speed up the decision making. Too much hesitating, too much like dribbling into no man's land and then he, he still stopped up the offense at times, which is the stuff that really frustrates us and everyone with Tobias is like if he could really just lean full stop into the three and D thing, he'd be he'd be a better player. And th- this was a good game. There's not a lot to complain about. There was more to complain about, obviously, in the first heat game. So I'm picking this a bit here. But, you know, he could always be better. But you're right. He, he was good tonight.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then we're going to go to the bench. I think I'm supposed to go first here, but I, I want to yield the floor to you because this is your boy.
1: Um, you know, a couple days ago, I looked down at the ground and realized that I was in some mud. Uh, but today I, I looked down and, and I was out the mud. Uh, <laughs> Paul freaking Reed, y'all. 16 points, <laughs> 14 rebounds, 28 minutes, two blocks. Um, pretty much gave Bam Adebayo the business on multiple occasions. Was a beast on the glass. Had some really awesome like finishes offensively. About as good as you're going to get from him. Uh, 7 or 10 from the field, 70% with switching, containing guards and wings on the perimeter. Like You can't really ask for much more out of a guy who's going to be your backup center, ideally, in the playoffs. Uh, it might be more PJ in the playoffs, but, but he looks a whole lot better than Montrez Harold. than me. I'll just say that. He was one of the best players on the floor tonight. Uh, if this doesn't like cement him behind Joel, I, I know Dwayne Deadman hasn't gotten his chance to prove himself, but If this doesn't cement Paul's spot, I I really don't know what will. It's pretty clear that he has the goods, and it's still inconsistent at times. He's going to have bad nights. He's going to pick up some fouls every now and then. But on the whole, he continues to just be an awesome defender who really changes the game with his hustle and his effort level, which is something Philly really needs more of. So he was awesome tonight. He deserves his flowers, and he deserves more playing time in the future.
0: I honestly agree with everything you said. Had to had to give your boy some credit. I mean, he what you said, that he was one of the best players on the floor tonight, it's just a fact. He had the best plus minus plus 26. 14 rebounds was a career high. Five of those were on the offensive end. He was just playing incredibly well. It It was interesting that Doc started the game with P.J. at the five. I mean, I think we said last game that that seems to be the way he's leaning. Um that maybe in the playoffs like you were just mentioning that it may be PJ at the 5 instead of Reed but i mean when you see games like this it it kind of makes you wonder why it wouldn't be Reed and and we don't necessarily have to play that small ball reed is an incredible like incredible backup for his role tonight he proved it uh just played all around great
1: yeah i i continue to workshop my take that paul is like the seventh best player on the team and he just hasn't gotten the playing time to show it necessarily. Um, he's really good.
0: That's an interesting take. Um, and he is the lowest paid player on the team because I'm doing an article on Shake and I noticed that he was the second lowest paid player on the team. He's getting seventh in minutes. So maybe Paul Reed has a similar discrepancy in the amount of time or based off his contract, but maybe you can run with that.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um Speaking of, of, of shake, he had 12 points, five of 11 in this game, got 20 minutes. Um, one of his better games in a while production wise. Again, not a lot out of Jalen McDaniels, four points didn't make a field goal. 13 minutes, the lowest of any bench player, which segues into maybe the most interesting non-Paul Reed thing that happened tonight, which was that Daniel house was the first wing off the bench and he essentially got the George Yang minutes. Um, 17 in total, had 6 points, 2 of 5 from the field, 0 of 3 from deep. Wasn't terrible. Get a little rough there in the fourth quarter when, when it didn't matter so much. But he he was fine, I thought, in this game, John. But what what were your thoughts about Daniel House playing over George? Yeah,
0: I mean, the word fine is pretty much exactly how I would sum it up. I mean, I don't necessarily think he should be the first one off the bench or the second or the third, but... um. I mean, he needs to get, I guess, an opportunity to get a couple of looks. Maybe Doc's just trying to play everyone towards the end and and see what he Mm -hmm. has to get the best version of the playoff rotation. But I really don't see House contributing realistically in the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, definitely wasn't a negative. He was a plus seven tonight, did his job when he was called upon, but nothing like outstanding.
1: Yeah, Um, I I mean, a lot of. People have been complaining about George after the past couple nights. Um, obviously, Boston is a particularly bad matchup for him. He was bad in the first Miami game. So this, I think, is probably a symptom of that. Obviously, if you're looking towards the playoffs, it makes sense. Like, hey, maybe it's easier to keep House out there because he can defend more. Um, obviously, not quite the same shooting threat as George. But I, I think once we reach the postseason... The odds are that neither of those guys are going to be in the rotation. I assume things get shortened up to about seven or eight guys. I would say Shake, McDaniels, and Maxie, if he's still on the bench, or Melton, or PJ, whoever, are going to be the main guys uh, with hopefully some Paul Reed, as we were saying. But So, yeah, I, I don't think either of them are playoff pieces, but I could see the logic behind saying maybe we should try to see if Daniel can can take these minutes right now because of the defense
0: yeah I forget what game it was recently but I saw Yang out there and every time he touched the ball like in the third quarter of a, of a recent game he was just jacking and it reminded me of Cam Thomas and I was like when we had that conversation like George Niang had a massive green light the other night um but yeah I mean you're probably right neither of them will get realistic meaningful playoff minutes so um, that kind of takes us to the Heat as our opponent. We lost one, we won one. So, do you realistically think that this team is a threat in the East?
1: Well, they are three games above 500 now, right? They're the seven seed, which puts them in the play-in. Um, I don't want to count out Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo because I think they're both still fantastic players. We've counted out Jimmy many times in the past, and as a society, we have lived to regret it. But, like, no, I I don't think they're really a threat, not to Philly, at least. There's a very real chance that they are Philly's first-round opponent, so I might have to eat those words. It would be really unfortunate, but stranger things have happened with this team. But, no, I I just don't think they have the... uh, the offense to, to really hang with Philly at their at full strength. Joel and, and James are probably, you know, they're, they're the better duo if we're going to compare stars at this point. And offensively, Philly just has more firepower. So I, I would, on paper, I would imagine it's pretty easy to say Philly is the runaway favorite in that hypothetical series. Now, do the Sixers have the capacity to screw it up and make things closer than they need to be? absolutely Miami did just beat this team in the playoffs last year as we all remember under some unfortunate circumstances regarding Joel's health but no I I don't think they're really contenders this year
0: yeah the east is a three-team race and in my mind it's been that way the entire year I like I like the Kevin Love pickup for Miami I think he actually fits in really well but the the East is Milwaukee, Boston, and the Sixers. I, and the you touched on it a little earlier, like maybe Doc's trying to play his starters because he's trying to move up in the playoff seedings. I think the one seed is like un like incredibly invaluable because if with it being a three team like race, if that's what it turns out to be, the two three matchup in the uh, Eastern Conference semis is going to be a bloodbath. Like they're just going to beat up on each other, whether it's like sixers and milwaukee or sixers or boston because it looks like sixers are going to be in that spot and then whoever comes out of that is going to have to play the one seed who probably didn't have a super challenging matchup against the knicks or the Cavs. and mm-hmm. i just like i think the one seed has such an advantage and is the odds will extremely favor them to get to the nba finals. so i mean i just don't see them having a shot at the one seed right now the way the bucks are playing um but and especially the Sixers have the hardest uh, NBA remaining regular season based on BPI, and I think it's like twice as hard as anyone I heard Daryl Moore say the other day. So, like the one seed is probably out of reach, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, for the Heat specifically, I, I don't see them as a threat.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, obviously Milwaukee has won 15 straight now. They they took over the one seed uh, a couple nights ago, and you're right, like. I don't know many sixer fans even who would be very confident about playing Boston in the second round. Uh, it would not be the best draw. Philly has gotten lucky multiple times over the past few years as terms of like their play their side of the playoff bracket, and they have fumbled it multiple times. yep, so yep. you know it's we're probably heading towards. A pretty tough road to the finals, so it's you know it's time for the team to kind of put up or shut up because with what we're going to talk about soon, they might not get too many more uh, cracks at this thing. So um yeah, yeah, it's a per- nice perfect segue. segue. Yeah,
0: perfect segue. This is my favorite topic tonight. So, <laughs> it, or I'm just going to ask you straight up: Could James Harden really leave for Houston next year? Obviously. The Woj broke the news of a potential possibility. I don't even know if it was breaking news on Christmas Day. And then there were some reports more recently that it might be more realistic than just speculation. So, I mean, do you, do you see that as a realistic possibility that he leaves for Houston next year?
1: Um, yeah, I, I think we've, like, did you watch Game of Thrones, Jonathan? Yeah. Okay, so I think we've progressed from earlier in the season to, like, a season two understanding of the White Walkers to, like, a season eight understanding of the White Walkers (laughs) as far as, like, there's a lot of smoke going on right now. It it seems very clear that he will at least consider a move to Houston, that it's something that is an option in his mind. Is it likely? Is it a guarantee? It's definitely not a guarantee. I, I don't think we can chalk it up like he's going to bolt in free agency. But definitely a possibility. It's very clear that he has a lot of love for the Houston area and for that franchise and the people who run it and how they've treated him in the past, which is totally fair. Like, if the dude loves Houston that much, you can't really fault him for that. You know, the Rockets obviously are maybe the worst team in basketball and maybe the worst-run team in basketball right now, so it would be very strange for a 34-year-old James Harden sign a four-year contract with the worst team in basketball. That would just be a weird sequence of events. But, you know, home is where the heart is kind of thing. If that's really how he feels, you know, more power to him, I guess. But it would it would really suck for Philly. Um, in the article today that, that we're kind of referencing here from Sam Amick and Kelly Ico at The Athletic, it said in that article that even key Sixers players, quote-unquote, think Harden is Maybe gonna leave for Houston, so that that seems like a big deal to me. It seems very very possible. Now Harden has played really well lately. He's playing committed. He's like making hustle plays. I like, I don't think it's going to affect his performance down the stretch. I think he's totally committed to trying to win it all this year. But yeah, I I think there's a very real chance that he goes to Houston in the summer.
2: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 Plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler Promotional offer not available in Washington, DC.
0: Yeah, so could he really leave? I mean, it it honestly looks like it, based like on yeah. what you're saying and, and what we're reading. But Again, like you said, I just don't get it. Like, okay, the main draw is he loves the city. He loves the people who run the team. He loves being in Houston. Like, okay, fine. But they have less than – like less than a 0% chance at a championship. They don't have a chance, like even a realistic close chance of being in the playoffs unless somehow they win the Weminyama Street sweepstakes, which I guess could be possible. Then you have Harden joining Jalen Green, Javari Smith, Victor Wembenyama. That's a squad, but they're also all that's children. That's-
1: it's really fun, but yeah. They're, but, they're, they're,
0: yes, that would be an incredibly fun team to watch. Jalen Green has a lot of talent, can bounce out of the gym. Jabari Smith shows some promise in his rookie year. Wembenyama. All right, that would be a fun team to watch, but I'm not going to be a fan because I'd be very upset if Harden left. Laugh. <laughs> yeah. It's still – even with that team, though, like they're all young. It's still not run great. The coach is not the right coach there. So, I mean, I'm sure they, they'll probably get a new coach, but – that's still not even a guarantee of a playoffs and the West that doesn't even touch on the fact that the West is dumb loaded with talent. Like, yeah, realistically, there's six or like probably six teams that have a chance to make the finals this year. I mean, it's smaller than that, probably from like high likelihood, but there are so many talented teams where, as we said in the East, there's only three. And I, I, Again, it just doesn't make sense that he would go. This Sixers team is in a build, to, like a built to win now kind of mode. Houston is far from that. He only has a couple more years where he's going to be at a semi elite level. And like, if he seriously wants to compete for a championship because he only played in one NBA Finals when he was super young, six man, he choked for the Thunder. Like, if he wants another chance to redeem himself, he should stay in Philly. You're in the East and you're on a team that's ready to win. But if you just want the bag, then hey, man, by all means, go back to your home. Go back where you're comfortable. Houston will pay you ungodly amounts of money that maybe no one else will. And I I just, but that team's going nowhere. So, like, if if he's a competitor, it doesn't make sense, and he seems like a competitor. So the more news that comes out about this, that is, like, making it more realistic, the more I'm confused because watching him play this year, he's competing so hard at such a high level. Like, how can you go from that on a team with championship aspirations to a team that is the worst in the NBA? Like, how do you do that?
1: Yeah, it's really fascinating. You mentioned the bag. Like, Philly can technically pay him the most money over four years. I would have to imagine, if there's any doubt, they would be willing to give him the max, as they should be. Um, You might not feel super great about paying him four years at his age, but you have to do it. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, basketball-wise, it makes no sense. You have to think maybe what if he can draw another starter, Houston or whatever, which is possible. But but you're right, he's not going to find someone better than Joel Embiid to play with. It, it's interesting. They sort of hinted at it in in the athletic article. Is like, what if Philly wins a championship? Does that actually make it more likely? Like, hey, I've won my ring. I can go, you know, on my retirement tour in Houston now. Like that kind of thing. That would be interesting. I I think that would be yeah. Yeah. I think Philly fans would be more okay with that. If they win the championship and Harden's like, okay, I can go home now, I get that. That's like, I would understand that. That would make a lot more sense. Um, yeah, that
0: would be like the Kawhi Leonard to Toronto, like the seven month rental where he brings <laughs> them, the, them a championship and no one cares that he left. Like, yeah. it's not even that level because we ha- would have Harden for two and a half years, but like still, uh, it would make. I think yeah, you're right. Philly fans would be a lot more comfortable and understanding of the decision if he wins, but I, I don't know.
1: I don't. Yeah. Know. It I, I think a lot of it is just going to come down to how how far they get. If they get blasted in the second round by Boston in like four games, you know, maybe he just doesn't even feel that good about Philly as a place to win, you know, if they make it to the conference finals and they lose in 7 to the Bucks, then it's harder for me to imagine him being like, no, nah, I'm not going to try again. I'm going to go back to Houston. So even I, if
0: they get blasted by the Celtics, Houston is, is not the answer, but
1: I know, I, know. I, I mean, it, you know, I, I love James. I've been a staunch supporter of him for years. He's one of the best offensive players we've ever seen. Clearly part of the calculus for him is like, he enjoys the off court stuff and Houston clearly allowed him to do that, maybe more than other teams. So Houston has hey like man, treated him very well over the years. And I lived in Houston
0: there. for like two months this year, and
1: it was not nothing to write home about. So, all right, but clearly for James, whatever's going on <laughs> there, it, it has made an impression on James. Um, but yeah, it, it is disconcerting because if, if you're Philly I, I would say I'm not terribly confident about their chances of winning the finals this year I think it's possible they have the talent to do it but I wouldn't pick them as favorites in the east right now I, I'd probably say they were behind Milwaukee and Boston so yeah
0: that I, being I, the well,
1: case let's assume they don't win the finals and he leaves like what's next for Philly like, like yeah. what should they do then <laughs>
0: I mean, so right? there's a couple things you could do. I, one of the things I'm thinking of is you just you you turn the keys over to Maxi, right? You say, Hey, this is your and Joel's team., uh, but I'm not one, I'm not sure that he's ready for that bigger role as being like the second superstar on the team. Like, I don't know that a franchise can win with Maxi being the second like best player on the team. He's gonna be a superstar one day, but he's young. That's a ton of pressure to put on someone like that. Um, and Harden probably helped in some of his development and education. So I'm not necessarily sure that's the answer. So then you probably look to go to free agency. You're going to obviously have the cap room that you don't have to spend on James Harden, but all right, I'm going to name some of these free agents and I don't love them, but just, this isn't saying who I want. This is just like, who's potentially out there first. Kyrie Irving obviously I don't <laughs> oh, no. I don't want that at all. Like do we want Kyrie Irving in our locker room? The answer is a million times no. But talent like if you took all the off court away, which you can't, you cannot do that. But talent-wise, him and Embiid that's probably the closest like skill level out on the market this uh this summer similar to Harden. Outside of that, maybe you go to Van Vliet if he opts out of Toronto, but he's looking for a huge contract and he's not, like, he's a tier below Harden. You could look at D'Lo if he doesn't re-sign in LA, but I'm almost, I'm very confident he is re-signing there. Like, the best option is to re-sign Harden, but if you don't, like, you, you probably need to go to free agency because you need to maximize and beads prime you're not looking to rebuild in like a year or two you need to like compete mm-hmm. every single year at this point in Joel's career so i, I don't know I, I like if it's not hardened something in my head is like Kyrie but i i can't i cannot get myself to be okay with that
1: yeah um it would not be ideal obviously Kyrie is from the general area so you know he's He's like sort of a local, but I, it would not be ideal. I, I would not be super thrilled about that. Um, yeah, my general feeling is like if James leaves, they're kind of screwed. Um, I mean, we saw, you know, during Ben's holdout before the Harden trade, when it was Maxi, Tobias, and Joel. That team's like a four or five seed. They're like a good playoff team. But they're a yes. tier tier below the real contenders, I think. As great and awesome as Joel is, Joel's always gonna give you a chance, especially if he can like actually have a healthy postseason run. But I I'm like I'm with you. I don't know if Max is really ready to be the number two on a real contender. I don't know if he's there yet. And especially like James makes him a lot better. James makes Tobias a lot better. James makes Joel better. Like James is one of the best players in the league as far as elevating teammates. So you not only lose, like, the individual production from James, but you lose a guy who's making everyone else better. Um, So it it, it would be quite the unfortunate turn of events. I I think at that point, you're definitely looking, you're really hammering the Tobias trade market to see what you can get for that contract. Obviously, they're kind of out of picks right now because of the Harden trade, which makes Mm -hmm. it even trickier to navigate. But yeah, it it would be super unfortunate if they don't win the championship and he leaves for Houston. Now maybe you could like work out a sign and trade, but it's not like you're getting any window pieces from Houston because they don't have any. So even if you could like finagle Jabari Smith out of them, I don't really think that does a ton for the Sixers. So it's a tough spot to be in.
0: Yeah, like Harden has this team in. Like, he knows that he it's like he has control in this situation, and that's not yeah. great for the franchise. But, all right, let's switch gears one more time. Last topic tonight uh, relating to the trade deadline that we recently have. So, Matisse Thybul looking like um, primetime Ray Allen since he won <laughs> Portland. <laughs> so, uh, does Doc Rivers deserve the, deserve some blame for not developing Thybul? What are your thoughts on what's been going on since the trade deadline?
1: So I have multiple tiers of thoughts here. First, it's been five games. Let's all calm down a little bit. Exactly. Second, if there's any young player who Doc has not thrown under the bus unfairly and not played enough, it's Thibault. The guy started all of last season. Like like Doc has trusted Thibel more than most fans would have through his struggles offensively, even in the playoffs, despite him being terrible last season, he was still getting 15 minutes a night most games. Like, Fiebel is the one young guy who, despite his shortcomings, Doc has, like, put a fair amount of trust into, that kind of dissipated after the playoffs. Like, this season he was towards the end of the bench. But even then, if he had, like, he had opportunities this season to kind of create some space between him and the other guys. He he got minutes when other guys were struggling, and he just didn't do anything with them. Like, he was flat out a bad offensive player every season with Philly, and it was a problem in two straight postseasons. He was unplayable in the playoffs, and I I frankly do not think he's, like, he just was not better than the guys playing ahead of him this year. Like, that's just straight up what was happening. So, no, I don't really think you can blame Doc now, Sixers' player development in general under Doc has been a bit suspect. Has he always put guys in a position to succeed? Maybe, maybe not. But with Stiebel, the thing holding him back were his limitations. There's not really a ton you can do as Doc Rivers when the guy is just a complete liability from three. He can't dribble. He can't pass or make quick decisions with the ball. Like, there's only so much you can do to get a guy involved at that point. So if he goes to Portland and all of a sudden he's like Clay Thompson... You you know you tip your cap like oh well why weren't you doing that in Philly but I, I don't really know if you can blame Doc Rivers for Thibodeau now if you want to talk no. about Isaiah Joe that's a different discussion and I heck yeah we need to put Doc. that
0: on a future we need to put that on a future podcast absolutely yeah. Isaiah Joe but, there are
1: there are multiple guys in the NBA right now where you can blame Doc Rivers but I I do not think Thibodeau is one of them
0: that's like and such the interesting
1: five games. Calm down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like that's such the interesting thing though that we're talking about. Like Doc Rivers is absolutely to blame for not developing young players. Like he is so well known about it, and especially in Philly, we've complained about it over and over and over again. But the rarity is Thibault. Like it, Thibault specifically. Doc is not does not deserve the blame there. Like you said, he played. He started fifty games last year, and he had chances to develop into the player that we were hoping he would. Like. He's just been incredibly inconsistent on offense, and okay, he maybe looks like a low-key elite knockdown three-point shooter, but it's five games, two weeks, like yeah, two look, weeks he has been there. It's a it's a coincidence. That's my also, that's my take.
1: Yeah, we also have to like consider the circumstances in Portland. Like he's playing thirty-five minutes a night there because they have yep. zero wing depth. They traded one of their only decent wings at the deadline. Like. Josh Hart's gone now. Those minutes are going to Jeremy Grant and, like, either Nasir Little or Cam Reddish. And, like, as gr- terrible as Bible has been for stretches in Philly, Cam Reddish has not been any better in New York or Atlanta. I, I don't know if he's even an NBA player. I like Nas Little. He- he's, like, a real piece. But, like, the minutes are just wide open there. And he's going to have... You know, he's going to be empowered, obviously, by those expanded minutes. I am every player practically has like a honeymoon period with their new team it's like is this gonna last though can Portland play him 35 minutes in the playoffs and get away with it I'm not sure about that so yeah I I really think a lot of people are overreacting big time
0: I completely agree he has had the chance to develop in Philly that has not been Doc's fault like the defense kept him on the floor he was starting a lot it's it's not on Doc for this one but then the other side of that is we got back uh, Jalen McDaniels in that trade. People are saying that he might not have lived up to expectations so far. That was kind of the topic today in our or Sense group chat. So why don't we start there? Again, I think we're going to touch on the fact that it's not been long enough. But just what are your thoughts on what he has done so far in Philly? Yeah.
1: So here's the thing. Like his numbers so far in Philly, like a whole lot like Matisse's numbers did in Philly. So – it's hard for me to say. There's been some severe downgrade. Again, offensively, he just gives you so much more than Matisse. We've already seen the benefits of his size and length and versatility on defense. I don't, you know, I, I don't think anyone would say, would say that in a vacuum he's a better defender than Matisse. But he's bigger, and for what this team needs with Melton and PJ and a couple good defenders already on the perimeter, like like that size has a lot of value. He averaged 10.6 a game in Charlotte when he was playing 27 minutes a night. Like This is a guy who we have seen put up double-digit scoring numbers in expanded minutes. So we know that he is capable of that. In Philly, he's just never going to get that playing time because they have better players and they're trying to win now. Would I like to see him hit a few more threes? Sure, he's not taken a ton. He's hit 50% of his attempts so far in Philly in six games. So like it's not like they're not falling. The volume isn't there, and it's never really been there. He's just never been a knockdown three point shooter. But again, guys, and, you know, neither was Steibel. It's not like they're you know. So I I haven't been I, I've been pretty encouraged honestly by large stretches of what we've seen from from J Mac the past few games. I I think he's better than Thibel for this team specifically, maybe even in general because of the the difference offensively. So I know that he's playing fewer minutes than Thibel now is in Portland, but we have to consider team context. Portland is not a good team at the moment. Philly is a very good team with say what you want about their bench. They have a lot of quality wings. Melton, Tobias, P.J., George before the past couple of nights, shake all those guys are taking it minutes. Like like he is, there's just more competition for minutes here than there was in Charlotte. So I, I'm still yeah. pretty pretty confident in J Mac, and I, I think it was the right trade.
0: Yeah, when this conversation came up today, obviously in the group chat, I, a similar thing. Like it's not been long enough. He was getting starting nods in about half of his games in Charlotte. So like playing ten more minutes a game on average. He's only been here for six games, so like four point three points, three point seven rebounds on one assist, sixteen minutes. Not great, but like he has to get used to his new teammates, get in rhythm with like this offensive and defensive scheme. Like I just think that he needs more consistency here and more playing time, which Doc hasn't given him recently. We were saying earlier when we referenced this that the starters have been playing a lot of minutes recently, but. Yeah. You I think you said it that he's probably going to be the 7th maybe 8th man but likely an active role in playoff games for this team. So Doc really does need to get him more consistent minutes and get him playing with everyone else who's going to be playing in the playoffs just to get him more confident. He can provide like yeah. what he was providing in Charlotte on this team if he needs to get those minutes. He won't get that, but he just needs to like he just needs to feel like he's fitting in more and I think that that needs Like, this is a sprint at the end of, like, the season. We have, what, 20 some low 20 games left? Like, he needs to get the time. He needs to get repetitions so that he's ready for when the playoffs come.
1: Yeah. Like, like, I'm not super thrilled about Daniel House playing four more minutes than Jalen under any circumstances. Like, that is a fair issue. And, like, is Doc going to be, you know, consistent enough in giving him minutes? That's a whole different conversation. But... Yeah, I think, again, as a player, he's legit. We've already seen Philly use him on key defensive possessions down the stretch of multiple games since he's gotten here. He's clearly a guy that they believe him on that front. And, yeah, once you're looking towards the playoffs and what you need in the playoffs, what kind of players can survive, you need length, you need switchable defenders, you need guys who can't be picked on uh, by good offensive players like you're probably going to roll with McDaniels over George again. You're going to roll over with him over Shake in a lot of matchups when you're ratcheting up the minutes for Tyrese and Melton and Harden. So I, I think we're going to see plenty of J-Mac down the stretch. I, I think we're going to see him in the playoffs a fair amount. I, I think it was the right trade. Again, I'm, I'm not panicking over this. I-, I wish Thibel well. If he can figure it out in Portland, that's great. Like, good for him. But... Yeah, too early to tell, for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess that means we have reached the end of the road, Jonathan. Uh, As always, good stuff. We will be back again soon, early next week. To our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixer Sense. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com, where you can also read our written work. So, until next time, everyone, peace out. Go picture, and we will talk to you soon.